Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. Do you remember these windows? The square window and the circle window and the arch window. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, these are from uh, the very popular uh, program for children called Play School. And when I was growing up, uh, every episode of Play School, you would go through one of these windows and every one of these windows would take you into a different kind of world, whatever the theme was that day. This was the image that came to me when I was reflecting on the readings today. You see... In Jesus' teaching, he makes it even more simple for us than play school. Jesus helps us to realise that although there may seem like there are so many different options in our lives, so many different windows, different worlds we can explore, he says, really, there's only two. There's the window that leads you into communion with God, into connection with the divine into the kingdom of God, into the pouch, as we were talking about last month. The other window is that which leads you into a world without God, a world which our, our Protestant brothers and sisters would, would say is unsaved, a world that is disconnected from God's presence, a world that we also use the word hell to describe. Now, play school gives you no option. You've got to go through the window that the host decides, right? But Jesus, time and time again, through his teaching, assures us that we have a choice. We have the power, with the help of God, to make a choice about which window, which world we want to enter. And that brings us to the, the question which the readings help us to answer today. And that is, how do we choose the way to God? St Paul assures us in the second reading that this is a choice like no other. It's not like, oh, what coffee am I going to choose today, right? You know, if we want to make this choice uh, for the life of God, for, uh, to enter into God's world, it requires a certain kind of mind, a mindset, what, what St Paul mentions today as a new mind. When Paul's talking about mind, he's not just talking about our, our thinking. The best way I could kind of describe it is he's talking about our internal outlook, that, that which influences how we think and, and, and how we act what we value. And St. Paul's saying that you've got to get this mind right if you want to choose the window that leads to God, if you want to choose what is the perfect thing to do, as he says today. This is, this is the purpose of our spiritual lives. This is why we, uh, we listen to readings every week and, 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 and the homily. The, the, the purpose of our readings is to help us to develop this new mind, 
this internal outlook, what St. Paul calls the mind of Christ. And today, uh, Jesus gives us uh, a very special insight to his mind. He says, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, if anyone wants to choose the window into the world of God, let him renounce himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So according to Jesus, having a new mind has something to do with a willingness to pick up our cross. When you hear that, what do you think of? Maybe you think of literally carrying a cross. Or or perhaps you think of of suffering or, or sacrifice, which of course was all true for Jesus. But when we zoom out and we look at the life of Jesus, we realize that picking up the cross was just one part of doing the Father's will. That's what it means for us in in, in the most general sense. To pick up our cross is to put the will of God before any other will. Our own will, the will of others, is to choose God's will above all other things. This was Jesus' compass right throughout his life. This was his priority. This was the whole purpose of his existence. He says in John, I've come from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And what he's saying to his disciples today, what he's saying to us is that if you want to follow me, if you truly want to follow me, you need to say yes with me to the will of the Father. You see, it's not just about following teachings. But to be a disciple of Jesus ultimately means to say yes to God's will, whatever that may be for you. That's how you find the path to life. That's how the new mind operates. Now, I'm guessing that there are some of us listening to this and you may be thinking, why? Why should I? When there are so many uh, good and uh, attractive options presented to me in this day and age, so many windows, so many worlds available to us, when as humans we're living in a time where we have great potential, we, we can do so many great things except, of course, when we're in lockdown. But uh, why should I? Why, why should I limit myself to one window? Why should I sacrifice or, or hand over my will to God? Especially when Jesus says that it's going to be hard, when he says it means we need to renounce something of ourselves. Why, why should I? This is a question that we can't so much answer from a textbook. The best way to answer this question is to look at the lives of those that have gone before us, the lives of people of great faith. And, and the person that came to me uh, was someone that we heard about this week, actually, in our Alpha course. Uh, she's an amazing woman. Many of you would be familiar with her. Her name is Cory Ten Boom, and uh, she was a, a Dutch Christian and uh, living in the time of uh, the Nazi regime. And her and her family 
uh, hid many Jews in their, in their homes. It was said that they saved hundreds of lives. Now, they believed that that was God's will for them to hide Jews in their homes. But that still meant that Corey was sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp after they were caught, along with her father and her sister who actually died there. Anyway, years later, after she was released, uh, Corey was giving a talk in a church, and after the talk, uh, a man began to approach her, and as he was approaching, she recognised him. He was one of the cruelest guards at Ravensbrook, and, and she said as she saw him approaching, she remembered walking past him naked, and she felt so cold and so angry, and, and, and as he approached her, he he, he introduced himself. He, he didn't recognise her, although she, of course, recognised him. He said, look, I, I, was a, I was a guard at Ravensbrook. And since that time, I've become a Christian. I've received God's forgiveness and I've been waiting for an opportunity to ask forgiveness from one of my victims. And he went on in that moment to ask Corey for forgiveness. And this was her response. Fräulein Ten Boom, want you were forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Now, choosing to hide Jews in her home was certainly not the easy option. Corey and her family, especially when it, it meant endangering their own lives. And, and this was especially true when it come to uh, forgiving this guard. Certainly not the easy option. So why did Corey do it? Well, the simple answer is that like Jesus, she had experienced the goodness of God. She'd encountered a love that had turned all of her darkness into light, a love that convinced her that regardless of how unreasonable and how hard it may seem, that choosing God's will will always lead her into a bigger life. And we could hear that life in her as she spoke. We heard the freedom. We heard that peace. We heard her joy. St. Paul says that Christ's love compels us. That those who live 
should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's the new mind, a mind that has been compelled by the love of Christ. A love that compels us to to live for God, to, to give ourselves to God over and above everything else. Because we know that that will always lead us to life. You know, we see in all of the saints what we see in Corey. That choosing God's will over our own will, it doesn't limit us. It doesn't take anything away from us, which is the fear that many of us have. But actually the the opposite is true. That giving ourselves over to God's will is what expands our world. It's what it unlocks our potential. It's what enables us to live most freely and most fully. Jesus flips this fear on its head. He says today, what is the point of gaining the whole world, all the riches, all the experiences, all the pleasures, and losing your very life? Or another translation would say losing your soul, losing uh, that part of you that puts you in contact with God's perfect will where you find true life. What's the point? Jesus says. I want to break it down a bit for us as, as we begin to, to wrap up. What, what does it look like to do God's will? This is a, a, a big question and there are so many layers to it. Today, I, I just want to give us one little window. You see, doing God's will or God's will is uh, going to be, find it, it finds its expression in us in all kinds of different ways, but it will always involve some level of self-gift. Doing God's will will always look like giving ourselves away for the sake of others, emptying ourselves rather than filling ourselves up. Because, of course, that is the very nature of God, that God empties himself. God gives himself away. So when we're considering doing the will of God, it's, it's good to start with a question like this. Uh, in what way, given my own circumstances, given uh, my own uh, state of life, In what way can I best give myself away as a gift to others? Now, for Jesus, uh, of course, that meant entering into the the sin and the suffering of our world. For Corey Tamboom, it meant hiding Jews, and later it meant forgiving that guard. What does it mean for you? Maybe it means just spending more time listening to your children. Or maybe it means making more of an effort to to love your spouse. Or maybe it means being more generous with that special gift that God has given you. Or, Or maybe it means spending more time praying for others, praying for your enemies. We don't need to look too far to find God's will. It's usually right under our nose. I want to finish with Jeremiah from our first reading today because he was also someone that found it very difficult 
to do God's will. He says today, when I was proclaiming the word that you gave me, God, I was the daily laughing stock. I was the butt of everyone's joke. It meant for me insult and derision all day long. And I got to a point where I thought, I'm not going to think about God anymore. I'm not going to speak in his name anymore. But then he says, there seemed to be a fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. The effort to restrain this fire wearied me. I could not bear it any longer. See, everyone that is close to God knows that we actually can't do the will of God. It's more true to say that God does his will in us. He does his will through us. We're just the vessels and it's, it's the fire that does it. It's the fire of God's love living in us. It's, it's the fire of the Holy Spirit that can do the impossible through us as it did in the life of Corey. So doing God's will always begins with three words. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, burn in me today. Give me the mind of Christ so that I might know and I might love and I might do your will. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.